Premier Christian Newscast. Without faith, places of worship and people of faith, this country would be poorer, blander and less dynamic. Faith is a force for good and the government should do more to both understand and release the potential of this fantastic resource. Those are the words of Colin Bloom, the government's faith engagement advisor, in the conclusion to his report, Does Government Do God? Four years in the making, the 165-page report aims to explore the relationship between religious communities and the government. It's undoubtedly the largest and most substantial piece of work done from inside Whitehall in recent years on questions of faith. It's hugely wide-ranging, tackling everything from the training of civil servants to forced marriage to Ofsted inspections of Sunday schools. But will it make any difference? What is the relationship like between Britain's churches and its government? Do civil servants and ministers understand those of faith and do they even want to work together where they can? I'm Tim Wyatt, and you're listening to the Premier Christian Newscast. This week, we're digging into the Bloom Report and thinking about the future of the relationship between the church and state. We'll hear from Colin Bloom himself, the prominent Christian MP Tim Farron, and two figures working between government and faith to try and understand the report and what it might mean for the rest of us as churchgoers, voters and citizens. It's only fair to start by admitting that Bloom's report, Does Government Do God?, has never had the highest profile in politics or the church world. It was commissioned not by our current Prime Minister, nor the one before him, but the one before her. Just a few months after Boris Johnson tasked Colin Bloom with writing this report in 2019, the world was massively distracted by the pandemic and our ongoing political chaos that followed. Bloom himself has also had pretty low profile, which he maintained over the past four years as he quietly got on with researching and writing his 165-page document. He says he grew up in an agnostic household himself, with a vaguely Jewish background via his father. But when he left home quite young, he found his way to a Baptist church in South London, where he says he met Jesus for the first time and found the faith that would shape his later life and career. After working in business for some years and then the charity sector, in 2010, he became head of the Conservative Christian Fellowship, a group which gathers together believers from across the Tory party. Later, he was hired by the party itself to be its director of outreach, before in 2019 he was brought into government as a faith engagement advisor. Speaking earlier on Premier's A Mucky Business podcast, Bloom explained how he came to be asked by Boris Johnson to write the report. He obviously always knew me as the, as the, um, if, if like the faith guy or the Jesus guy or the Christian guy, whatever the, the terminology he would use. But I think he had an instinct that the relationship between government and faith communities was not what it should be. Um, um, he was obviously he's been a, a member of parliament for a long time. He he was foreign secretary. He was. Uh, Mayor of London, and then when he was uh, Prime Minister, so he had, you know, some pretty big jobs and a ringside seat into, you know, a number of um, a number of areas. And whatever else he may be, he does have, you know, he does have instinct for some interesting things. And I think that perhaps that instinct was could the relationship between government and and 
places of worship and people of faith be improved. And um, and he asked me and he asked me to do it. So I got stuck into it and then COVID happened. Mm. So I had to pivot my role away from um, perhaps focusing on the report so much as 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 really sort of helping manage the relationship between government and faith communities uh, during the during the um, the mm. pandemic. So I kind of led on the the roundtables with the Sikh community, the Hindu community, the Jewish community, and all the other Christian communities as well, um, and um, Muslim community too. And and of course um, that whilst COVID was an awful thing for everybody, it did actually provide some very rich material for the report in terms of being able to see up close and personal just how inadequate much of government was in relationships and dealing with with the faith community. Before he launched into writing the report, Colin Bloom organised a consultation. In it, 84% of those who took the survey agreed that religion was positive for society. However, another large majority, 58%, also believed that freedom of religion was under threat in the UK. Among Christian respondents, this figure was even higher at 68%. As a result, one of the core recommendations in Bloom's report is for greater faith literacy among civil servants. This is an endless call from the faith sector, which constantly worries that the officials that they deal with in Whitehall are at best baffled and apathetic, and at worst downright hostile when dealing with religious folk. Bloom said that faith should be much better understood by those in government as a force for good in society, not something to be... Bloom said that faith should be much better understood by those in government as a force for good in society, not something to be suspicious of. Well, overall, the report spends you know most of most of the energy of the report is in demonstrating that faith people of faith and places of worship make an overwhelmingly positive contribution to society so um if if people of faith were to withdraw their um you know their charitable works if you like whether it's food banks whether it's mum and top groups whether it's youth clubs whatever it may be um uh you know, there would be a huge hole in society. Faith is a force for good. And um, and people of faith make an overwhelmingly positive contribution to society in almost every area of human endeavour. People of faith are very busy making life better for them for, for others. And, and that's evidenced in the report. There's just, you know, thousands of references to uh, of uh, examples of, of, of where faith is making a really positive uh, contribution so if that is the case and i've demonstrated that it is and also faith is not going away tim that's the other thing faith is Mm. it's very different today than it was 50 years ago but faith is alive and well it's much more diverse but it's growing um and it's um making a really making a huge impact so if that's the case then um if government is to be as effective and as efficient as it can possibly be, then it needs to understand faith. Mm. Faith is, is important to a majority of the British public. More than 60% of the British public say they have a faith. And if that's the case, there are more people with a faith than there are perhaps people with disabilities. There are more people with a faith than, than there are old people or young people or any other protected characteristic. Government have to understand. I'm not saying that they should re- re- reduce their understanding of any other group, but they have to understand 
um, faith and people of faith rather better. That way, if they do so, they will deliver public services better. So a, a big recommendation is mandatory faith literacy training for all public servants. And I think it's really important that um, that uh, government get hold of that and uh, and 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 do something about it. We've got a we've got a um, you know a number of government departments that are uh, working in whether it's in community, whether it's the the home office, working within community within society. They need to understand. Um, the people that they're serving rather better. Same for the NHS, same for the for the prison service, would be exactly the same for education. When it comes to protected characteristics, there are nine protected characteristics, you know, age, disability, um, race, sexuality, and others. Faith is amongst those nine protected characteristics, but faith is is just not taught. You know, it is the Cinderella protected characteristic. And I'm hoping that um, this government or, or any future government will take this particular Cinderella to the ball. Tim Farron, the Christian MP and former leader of the Liberal Democrats, agreed that there was a huge need for more religious literacy within Whitehall. This is a welcome and comprehensive review of how government and the public sector in general engages with faith in the UK today. It has been four years in the making and offers a series of recommendations to strengthen relationships between the state and faith groups. One fundamental proposal is to ensure that everyone on the public payroll, including local and national politicians, NHS and teaching staff, police and prison officers, are given faith literacy training. This is hugely welcome from a Christian perspective. It's clear that amongst wider society and within our institutions, there is no longer even a basic knowledge of Christian values, teaching and observance, things that would have been taken for granted 50 years ago. For baby boomers and those from Generation X, Christianity was the faith of their parents. But for many millennials and those from Generation Z, Christianity is instead the faith of a small number of people that they don't know, don't understand, and probably don't like. Christians choose to live as we do out of a deep conviction that God is who he says he is. And for significant numbers of our contemporaries, who do not share or understand this conviction, many of the values and practices of Christians are seen as anachronistic, unattractive, and even dangerous. If Western societies have become arrogant, foolish, and discriminatory when it comes to their interaction with Christians and indeed with other faiths, this is largely due to a fundamental ignorance of what motivates us. Now, as a Christian, this should not bother me because I know that our God is bigger and more enduring than the temporary values of any given age. Christians are called to be countercultural in every century, and we are called to show love and grace towards those who think badly of us. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus tells us. So we shouldn't be surprised or resentful when that trouble comes. But there is certainly an assumption in public life that an absence of faith is the natural and neutral position when, of course, it isn't. There is no neutrality. Instead, we have a range of competing worldviews. A grounding in faith literacy would be hugely valuable in challenging this lazy assumption. Politicians, civil servants and the media will better serve a diverse and plural society if they are curious about why people of faith think as they do, especially when their faith is more than simply cultural. Daniel Singleton is the National Executive Director of Faith Action, a network of faith-based organisations offering services in health, social care, housing and welfare. 
He has spent many years working closely with officials from numerous government departments and said more training and knowledge of faith would undoubtedly help, but it must not be couched in such a way as to make civil servants zone out altogether. There needs to be a way that faith literacy is done, which doesn't make people think, oh, this is hard, let me avoid it altogether. That's my concern a little bit with faith literacy in that sense, that people just say, oh, let's just let's just blank it all out, as if there is some mythical kind of secular faith faith free neutral zone which doesn't exist i think encouraging people to be able to express their faith express their questions about faith um in a in a place which is not judgmental would be uh to some extent and i think that's to some extent to do with culture at the moment we, we don't really allow much um difference and for people to explore things so i think a, a faith literacy which which allowed for a little bit more expression. I mean, you know, just from a Christian perspective, what what type of Christianity are you going to express? You know, and uh, is it high church? Is it is it is it uh, is it low church? What is it? And so there's differences between those. But I think an attempt in that direction, as long as it doesn't become another thing, I've got to worry about the kind of the safeguarding of of faith literacy uh, in that sense so uh, but it's not easy it's not an easy it's not an easy fix the director of advocacy with the evangelical alliance danny webster has also backed bloom's call for more faith literacy as long as it went much deeper than just an re level roll call of religious festivals and doctrines Yes, and this is one of the significant findings was that we, we do need better faith literacy, particularly for those working in the public sector in all its different guises from education to the NHS to civil servants in nationally and locally. I think that's important, but I think it's hard to do because you don't want to just boil it down to facts and figures like these are the core beliefs. These are the religious festivals of different beliefs. You want people to understand what it means for someone to be a Christian, but also to understand what it means for people of other faiths to live out their faith. And that is more less about knowledge, but more about the relationships and the understanding and the empathy. And that's why those relationships are crucial. So I think we do need better training so people do understand what religion and belief looks like. The review says it's often neglected compared to other protected characteristics. But I think more than anything, we just need strength and partnership so that people can know what it means in practice. Premier Christian Newscast. Premier Christian Newscast. Another important part of Bloom's report discusses how bridges can be built and maintained between the church and the state. Um, there, are, there are a few of us that can speak fluent politics and fluent faith. Um, 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 so I don't expect politicians necessarily to be able to speak the language of faith fluently or people of faith, faith leaders to speak the language of politics fluently. I mean, it feels um, sometimes there's a bit of a divide. It does need interlocutors occasionally, uh, like yourself. Um, but um, I, I would say, you know, pick your battles, and um, uh, I would all, I would think also that one of the big challenges is that within individual faith communities, there's always people who are trying to be the spokesperson for self, some self-appointed gatekeepers, if you like, and 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 
I think within faith communities, they could be a bit more discerning about who they put forward um, um, and or, or who they who they allow to sort of speak loudly on their behalf, because sometimes not everyone who speaks into government from a faith perspective is the most credible witness. Um, and uh, uh, and I would just gently suggest that there are probably some better, more nuanced and more um, balanced characters that could be a uh, that could be a a, a better um, sp- spokesperson for different faith groups. Singleton said that in his experience, it was less about connecting up institutions, but instead about individuals building lasting relationships of trust with each other, which could then unlock more fruitful collaboration. Ultimately, we're not talking about, in the end, you can talk about how institutions relate to each other, but it's not institutions, it's people. So, you know, you have times where there's there's good connections and times where there's bad connections. And there are certain parts of government that will connect with some parts of faith and not others. So I had a very interesting conversation with an official at DCMS who said that they were trying to encourage their colleagues not to just say, that uh, faith was something that belonged to the communities department actually it can run across all departments so that that's interesting in that in that sense um and um i think i think sometimes the default of faith faith is a problem or faith in the too difficult box is something which um which i think bloom tries to address but uh, and he is honest about some of the issues within uh faith groups but uh i don't think those issues are particularly different to what you'd see in the voluntary sector or the public sector, or the private sector, if not more so. Farron had a slightly different perspective. As well as government officials and ministers trying to step into the shoes of people of faith, he also believed it was vital that Christians thought more carefully about how they came across to the non-believing majority. As I welcome this report, I believe it also presents a challenge to people of faith. And again, I speak from a Christian perspective, who work on our own cultural and political literacy, which is often woefully poor. Christians often back away from cultural engagement when it feels like it might lead to compromise. But to use a missionary analogy, we do not need to worship the local gods in order to speak the local language. It is important that we understand our neighbours' beliefs and values and not simply assume that their motives towards us are malicious. Christians also need to understand why certain parts of the Bible and traditional Christian teaching seem intolerant and exclusionary in today's society. Let's show the same curiosity towards others' beliefs that we would like them to show towards ours. We should also realise how we are heard by society. Next week, we're going to witness the coronation of our new king in a cathedral by the Archbishop of Canterbury as part of an overtly Christian service. The king will be the head of the Church of England. We have bishops in the House of Lords, and each day the House of Commons opens with prayers read by the Speaker's chaplain. You see, for the majority of observers, Christianity is the establishment, and we need to be very aware of this, even as we might feel increasingly marginalised for our beliefs. One of the other major recommendations from Colin Bloom was for the government to appoint a dedicated faith champion an independent figure inside Whitehall who could join up work with religious communities and help build better relationships between church and state. Yeah, I think I think government needs to have an independent faith champion who will sit across all government departments. Um, will serve. The, we have a faith minister. This faith champion and the and the team of civil servants that work for them 
um, should have that body of knowledge, that experience and relational capital to be able to support the faith minister, to support the prime minister's special envoy for religious freedom, um, and to help with help government really sort of guide its way through some of the engagement that, that it needs to do with faith communities. Mm-hmm. So um, an example of that would be, you know, a, a new bill comes out, um, let's have a unit within government that really knows its stuff that can then say, well, what impact will this have on faith and, and people of faith? That way, those the, the, that bill will 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 land much more um, well significantly easier, more effectively, more efficiently. Um, so that's one area. The other area is, of course, so many people of faith when they came back um, when they came back in the call for evidence that we did said we only ever hear from politicians during an election period or when government wants something. Um, and, and, and that's, I mean, you will have known that's not, that's not new. That's that, you know, people have been saying that for years. Um, mm. but, but here's an opportunity for us to fix that. If faith is as important to so many people as the evidence suggested is, then it's incumbent on government to understand those people better, to have a relationship with those people better. Um, and to, um, engage with them better so so it would just may, mean that we'll have um you know hopefully a, a more more effect, effective government for the people that government serves and then also where you've got some of the harms that are done within faith communities and my report goes on to some of that um where there are genuine victims of of whether it's financial conver- uh, coercion whether it's forced marriage whether it's faith-based extremism or or something else then you'll have a you'll have a group led by somebody who has mm. that relational capital, who will be able to um, who will be able to, you know, engage and, and help those victims and help get government policies straight so that it can deal with some of it, all of it. This was enthusiastically supported by Singleton, who noted it echoed his own organisation's call for a faith commissioner. We would be very keen. We have a faith minister. I would really like to see a faith minister in cabinet, but at least a, a minister of state. That, that that's part of their role. That's very key. But the the role of the faith commissioner, just like as with the children's commissioner, is it kind of almost it's there in government, linked to government, trying to affect policy, but working outside of the election cycles. And I think that could and the, and the faith champion could be good. What we kind of need to see is. What does the government say about um, Colin's recommendations, and what does and what does um, and what does the Labour Party say as well? So we actually see if we can see a bit of a coherent response, and we can build on it. But um, there's been interest in the concept of a faith commissioner, faith champion. I mean, the champion's got uh, the commissioner's got proper powers. It's a, it's a thing. Um, but uh, I, I don't mind, to be honest with you, I don't really don't mind what you call them as long as there is this present thing saying. And, and I think part of the thing is to say, OK, there are there are issues, there are problems. We need to, you know, do some stuff around charity and governance and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, what about the possibilities um, that we can access uh, with faith? And we saw that again. We saw that with with lockdown uh, and we saw that with within civil society generally when there was an opportunity given people. People stood up to it, but I think it's it's part of having 
it's saying it's not it's saying not so much the faith is a problem how do we fix it but faith is a solution how do we apply it and that's what i'd like to see more and i think that's what that role could do but webster from the evangelical alliance said that he was most focused on how the existing members of the government responded to bloom's other recommendations well i think uh, what i would like to see from both the government national and local and from church communities is strengthened engagement Uh, I want the government to do more to understand what happens in churches and how the Christian faith works out in people's daily life. But I also want churches and leaders to engage with um, public bodies, with local government, with national government, to help demonstrate what faith looks like in practice. So we're not just expecting the government to do all the work for us. We're actually working to show the government what it looks like and why it matters so much. The report is significant. The government's response is what really matters um, to see actually where are they taking up these recommendations? Where are they putting them into practice? Where are they working with faith communities to ensure that they're put into practice in meaningful and sensible ways? So that there are a few areas where uh, actually ongoing partnership and engagement with faith groups will be essential to ensure that the recommendations make sense when translated into policy. There are a few things where we've got some questions. How does that work in practice? Will it be done in a sufficiently nuanced and careful way that it's not just a blunt hammer where there are points where it uh, addresses risks of extremism, risks um, of um, illegal and unregistered schools? And there are very real problems it recognises. But ensuring that the policy response is proportionate, that's where we are going to be paying attention to ensure that the government do that well. Bloom has said elsewhere that none of his recommendations will be a surprise to ministers and that he's been working closely with government figures through the last three years. But as of yet, there's not been a substantive response by the government to his report. Singleton said he was positive and optimistic as long as attention was focused not solely on resolving problems, but also on how church and state could work together in the future. The opening tone, which is really a sense of there is no choice, government needs to work with faith, and and the relatively positive uh, kind of stance that is laid out there, um, I think that that sticks out and that's important to hang on to. Um, I would say that after that initial positive tone, some of the way the chapters are organised almost seems to be walking into, um, I'm now going to answer any of the problems that faith has rather than continue on that. So I think that's one thing that stuck out to me. Almost, It was almost a, a report of two halves in that sense. I'm really, I'm really interested. Funny enough, from faith action, <laughs> what I'm really interested in is the action, how we, how we uh, help those of faith to play a key part in in society today and to some extent it feels like the report is a little bit more focused on places of worship rather than faith-based organizations and sometimes those are synonymous i I don't doubt that but um but there's a key role uh faith-based organizations have um as well as as repositories for for places of worship so if we look at uh faith-based social action um food banks toddler groups those kind of things those are really you know those are thriving it's on the back of that kind of stuff that we saw the pandemic response which was very strong and we saw 
in terms of keeping the faith report, the, the response from councils, they really weren't worried about working for, with faith groups in the way that potentially you might believe uh, if you look at the chapter titles of the Bloom report. Um, and then you've got public service delivery as well. You've got the likes of uh, Salvation Army and, and others that, that do very significant pieces of work. So once you get into the action of, of people kind of taking that uh, that faith motivation to make a positive difference, then it feels like some of these other problems just drop away uh, to some extent. I'm not saying they're going totally, but I think that's very, po and I, I do think we're in a more positive setting to some extent, as long as we can focus on the action, the things that we do want, the things that we, we want to do to help. We often talk uh, about widows and orphans, the widows of today's society, those without economic independence and orphans are those without a place of belonging. And every faith has a duty to those. And actually, when we're playing, you know, if we're playing in that arena, I think there is it's hard to push against um, faith in that sense. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 